Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Full Metal Lockdown Podcast. As per every single episode, I'm your host, Tom Roberts. On today's episode, we have a pretty good lineup for you. We have an interview with the one and only Wednesday 13 for his tour of Australia coming up. Uh, it's pretty awesome. Uh, we talk about the dates, we talk about the murder dolls, we even talk about Rick friggin' Flair because he's born in North Carolina. Anyway, um, we go into a fair bit, but uh, yeah, we we talk about the uh the T Slipknot tour. We have our band of the month, our song of the month. We even have our tour of the month. Uh, we talk about a bit of Jimmy Borgia news. Uh, we talk about a few other things, a bit of Slipknot news, a few other things. But uh, what do you say we kick off the show? Thank you for sticking around and listening to the Full Metal Lockdown podcast. As I said in the intro, I am Tom Roberts, your host. If you can hear noise in the background, that's just my kids playing out in the house and they're watching TV, playing around with each other. My son's finally old enough to play with my daughter and she loves it. Uh, that being said, like uh, there was an issue where I couldn't bring out an episode for March, so I'm bringing out an episode for April. And the reason being is because I want to uh, blame a certain telecommunications company for being a really dodgy internet connector. Uh, and they keep saying we're on ADSL 2, and then transferring us to ADSL2, but then not telling us that they're transferring us back to ADSL1, and then changing the port to ADSL1, but not changing their systems to ADSL2. So our internet system tries to pull more than it can out of ADSL1, which I don't know. I'm not proficient with all that stuff, but apparently that's only getting us like... 20 kilobytes a second. Like literally, that's how slow our internet is going. Usually, we get around six, five, six hundred mega uh, kilobytes a second. Not the quickest in the world, I granted, but it's still quicker than 20, if you know what I mean. Anyway, uh, can you hear my kids in the background? It's pretty funny. To me, anyway, I love it. I love the sound of my kids playing. Um, if you follow AJ Matter on Twitter, which I do, and a lot of people should, because beyond uh, news, he's a funny dude. But uh, he's been a guest here on the Fullman Lockdown podcast. Uh, episode 9, I believe it was, was with uh, AJ Matter. It was two years ago. Wow, time flies. But I uh, was on my podcast to reveal that Soundway 2015 was going to have four headliners. Yep. And, uh, yeah, he didn't mention anything about the big day I'm dying, though. 
which came out about a week after my podcast. And it was on that podcast that he revealed the Red Jones Machine was supposed to be the headliners of Soundwave Revolution, if you remember that. Uh, but it was on this podcast that he revealed that. He revealed something else on Twitter the other day, which was cool and it was interesting, and I liked it quite a bit. But, uh... And that's just because I'm a fan of their stage shows. I don't have that last album, uh, which surprises me. But uh, he he put out a cryptic tweet saying that uh, something about maggots having fun in 2016. For those that don't know, maggots are the name of fans of Slipknot. Yep. Uh, he teased that Slipknot will be touring Australia in 2016 at some point. He confirmed that it won't be not fast. Unfortunately, they're not bringing their Monster Heavy Metal Festival to Australia with the burning barrels of... Is it camel shit? Yeah, it's camel shit. Um, Go shit? Really? Oh, okay. Someone just told me that now they think it's goat shit. Uh, you didn't hear them because they wrote it on a piece of paper. <laughs> I'm trying to adjust them to talk, but they won't. Anyway, um, so Slipknot uh, look like they are throwing no dates, but they have confirmed that they're going to Vector Arena in Auckland. So it might be a full national tour. Everybody in Australia might get to see them. They haven't confirmed whether they're bringing Marilyn Manson out, who's their current uh, North American touring partner. But they are coming to Australia again. They haven't done a, he- a solo headlining tour since 2008, I think it was. And in that solo headlining tour, they are actually toured with Machine Head and Sidonia, I do believe. And that was their original lineup, even with Paul Gray. I had the privilege of being there. I went to see uh, Machine Head and I walked out a Slipknot fan. And that, once again, because their live show. That was their, f- uh, from memory, it was their first live show where they ever brought out their drum risers and their spinning riser and stuff like that. Sorry, that was cool. And the fire, the pyro, that was amazing. Anyway, um, so yeah, it looks like Slipknot will be here at some point. I'll keep you up to date when I get all the dates and whatever. But um, right now we're going to talk about a bit of news from Dimmu Borg, yeah. Uh, the Norwegian Symph- uh, Symphonic Black Metal Giants, Dimmu Borg, yeah. Borgo. I call him Demi Borg, yeah. That's the way it was always pronounced to me from other people when I first heard of them about over a decade ago. So, I've always called him Demi Borg, yeah. But that could be wrong. Uh, They can proudly announce that they have signed a new contract with Nuclear Blast Records. Uh, the band have commented, we wish to inform you that Demi Borgier and Nuclear Blast once again put pen to paper, acknowledging the past, present and future by opening another chapter in the history of the extreme music. 
Stay tuned and watch this space for updates on the new album and the force of the Northern Light Night live DVD slash Blu-ray release as it becomes available. Nuclear Blast owner Marcus Steger adds, We at Nuclear Blast are super happy to extend the cooperation with our good friends in Dimubolgia. The future holds amazing opportunities and projects to work to be worked on together. Can you tell I'm reading this? I think you can. I suck at reading. Uh, sorry. <laughs> the first being the eventual release of the long-awaited Forces of the Northern Night live DVD. Keep your eyes peeled. Darkness is upon us. That was the owner's comments. Uh, so yeah, Jimmy Borgia have re-signed with... Nuclear Blast, that does not surprise me, Nuclear Blast are kind of leading the forefront in metal around the world at the moment, I mean, used to be that if you weren't Roadrunner, you weren't uh, considered to have made it, now these days it's more if you're not in in the Nuclear Blast family, you're not considered to have made it. Uh, that being said, like they are the biggest metal label in the world at the moment, and they kind of came from nowhere. I remember them being like there, but I don't remember them being so big. Now everybody signed to them except for Slip Slipknot. They're still Roadrunner. They'll always be Roadrunner. I don't think they'll ever change. But, I'm going to say never, I guess. Anyway, um, so we're up to, sorry, sorry, I'm very, very tired. I'm running on a very few hours sleep. Uh, we're, we're up to our band of the month. Band of the month has uh, come in and it is Black Rain. Black Rain, B-L-A-K, sorry, B-L-A-C-K-R-E-I-G-N. They're from Wollongong. They're heavy metal slash thrash metal. Uh, Blackrainmetal.com if you want to go to their website or facebook.com forward slash blackrainmetal. If you want to check them out, they're a... uh, what a one, two, three, four piece band, uh, drums, bass, vocals, guitars, uh, multiple guitars. Um, yeah, they're actually going to be really good. I've got them on my, uh, the, well, the, the concert that I bought called Pitted this month, and it's going to be awesome. Um, yeah, so Black Rain is a band of the month. And I will put a spotlight on them on the uh, Facebook page. Right now on the Formula Lockdown podcast, it's time for the Pitted Spotlight. Pitted, P-I-T-T-E-D, is an event that I run in Batemans Bay. It's every month. It's based around heavy music, which is metal, obviously, hardcore and punk. 
And those are the only three genres that we let into pitted. Uh, under the bit of better anyway. It's a very unique concept. Not a very unique concept. They've been done a thousand times before, but like the way we do it is a bit different to everyone else. The official drink of Pitted is the Lemmy, which is Jack Daniels Coke Ice in a tumbler. That's it. That's the official drink. And um, we saw a fuckload of them, I might add. Um... This month's period is f- fucking awesome. It's one of my favorite lineups ever. It's on April 22nd. Uh, opening up the night is, ironically, the band of the month this month, Black Rain. They weren't chosen to be a band of the month because of pitted. They weren't chosen to do pitted because they got the band of the month. They were chosen separately. And the lineup was given to me by the organizer of the tour, and I had already chosen to be my band of the month, which is pretty cool. It's pretty awesome. Um, so they're opening it, and then uh, straight after that is a band from Nara, I believe, called Temptress. If you don't know Temptress, uh, go out and look them up. And they will blow your brain hole all over the wall. Uh, the drummer is, I believe, I can't remember his name. I'm really, really bad with that stuff. But I know he's from Model Sin, which is pretty fucking good. And no, it's not Husey. Anyway, uh, he's from Model Sin, which is pretty fucking good. And uh, after Temptress from Sydney... We have the thrash model, Australian thrash model veterans, Hazmat. I've seen these guys, I think, once, maybe twice, back in the days when I drank. Can you hear my son in the background? He's funny. Um, back in the days when I drank, so it's a little bit blurry. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, so they're going to be hitting it up. And that's going to be fucking phenomenal. And to cap off this epic, epic night, we have Witch Skull from Canberra. Damn. That's going to... If that doesn't... Wow, if that doesn't fill your pants with white creamy stuff, I don't know what will. Anyway, uh, so that's a bit of spotlight. April 22nd. Tickets to Pitted. Only $10 in the pre-sale plus booking fee. You can get your ticket at ozjigs.com.au. Search Pitted April and it will come up. Search Pitted, it will come up. P-I-T-T-E-D. Or at the door, which it will cost you $15 flat fee. The event is being held at Mariners in Batons Bay, at Captain's at Mariners, the event hall downstairs. And tickets will be available to 4.30 on the day of the event. 4.30 p.m. on the day of the event, unless sold out prior. Now, like I said, this is a pretty freaking awesome lineup, so there is a chance that it could be sold out prior. So don't take that chance. Buy a ticket. Come down to Peter. Meet me. Meet 
the South Coast Metalheads meet. Uh, Langland, the guy who runs the door, meet the bands. It's a very intimate venue, and the chances are you're going to be able to meet the bands. I, I'm just telling you. Have a lemmy. Have a lemmy. Walk up to the bar and say, "Hey, can I have a lemmy?" Jade is our usual bartender. Sorry. Jade is our usual bartender. She's one of the nicest people on earth. She'll hook you up. Uh, but yeah, come down to period April 22nd. Doors open at 8pm. First band at 8.30pm. And yeah, have a good time. It's $15 at door, $10 plus booking fee. Pre-sale. Run through all the tickets or out the venue. Up until 4.30. The day of the event. Uh, I share the event no matter what on my Facebook uh, I always forget to share it on Twitter but I should start if you want to go follow me on Twitter it's at the FML podcast if you want to follow us on Facebook it's facebook.com forward slash full metal lockdown all one word or if you want to hit me up with a question or an email or like a question you want me to ask an upcoming guest. Or if you want to know who our upcoming guests are, hit me up on the email. Uh, uh, it's at gmail.com. I don't list our, current guest, our future guests on the Facebook or on the Twitter. But I'm happy to let you know who they are if you email me. You can even inbox me on the Facebook uh, and I will respond to your questions. Maybe not right away, but I will respond to your questions eventually. Uh, that being said, can you hear my daughter in the background screaming? It's funny. Uh, but that being said, I'm starting a new uni course, small business management. Uh, in that I will get a business plan, an actual fully uh, printed up professional business plan. And um, uh, I've got to make a hypothetical business to do this. My hypothetical business will be a record and collectible store. In my area, it makes sense. Uh, the area I live in, there is no CD store. There is no collectible store. There's no trade store for that kind of stuff either. So it's very much uh, Utopia Records in Sydney. It's very much like them, but it's, it's more niche. Uh, but it... The Utopia is more niche than the one I'm thinking of. Anyway, I need uh, suggestions for names of the hypothetical store. At the moment, I have Pendulum Records. I have Hypnosis Records. That's it. I need more. So hit me up on the Twitter, the FML Podcast. Uh, hit me up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Formula Lockdown. Hit me up on email, Formula Lockdown at gmail.com. And let me know your suggestions for a store name. 
Anyway, uh, I brought it up a few times. I want to bring it up again. Uh, TV these days has never, ever been better. Seriously, it hasn't. Like, uh, for example, the show I'm really into at the moment, and I think it's one of the best shows on TV, is Vinyl. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's made by HBO. It's a great show. It, uh it follows uh, American Century Records uh, throughout the 70s and uh, their uh, rebranding, for lack of a better word. And uh, R- Richie Finestra is the main character. He's struggling with drugs and alcohol and stuff. I, I can almost relate to that, kind of. And what happened was... Uh, he said no to a huge deal where their uh, their record label would have got bought out for millions and millions of dollars. You see actors uh, portraying Alex Cooper. You see actors portraying uh, David Bowie. You see actors portraying Elvis Presley. Uh, all this stuff. And, um, yeah, it's a really, really good show. It's actually quite a... From what I've heard, it's actually quite an uh, insight into what it was actually like in the 70s. The cool thing about this show is that it's made by Mick Jagger, or produced by Mick Jagger and produced by Martin Scorsese. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's the actual Dave Matthews from Dave Matthews' band. It's written by a fellow named Dave Matthews. So... If it is the Dave Matthews from the Dave Matthews band, that's another cool aspect of it. But, uh, yeah, check it out. It's called Vinyl. It's made by HBO. Um, another show that I'm starting to watch, and it's taken a while to get into it, me and my wife both have the theory that it shouldn't take you an entire season to get into a show. You should be hooked from the start. Sons of Anarchy, I was hooked from the start. Uh, Breaking Bad, I was hooked from the start. Uh, Vinyl, I was hooked from the start. The Walking Dead, I was hooked from the start. Even Fear the Walking Dead, I was hooked from the start. Oh, even Better Call Saul, I was hooked from the start. On the other end of the spectrum, comedy. Broken Nine-Nine, I was hooked from the very, very beginning of that series. Game of Thrones, uh, episode 6 of season 1 is the first episode where I went, oh, I've got to see what happens in the next episode. And I've just started episode 7, and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's just warning. And all my friends are like, wait till you get to season 2, man, it gets better. Or wait till you get to season 3, man, it gets he's better. Why should I have to... If I was watching this from the start, it would have been three years before it got good. I'm giving it a chance. I am watching it. But so far, so not very good, I've got to say. Like, they, they're like, oh, one of the biggest aspects because they keep killing off characters and you don't know who's going to get it next and all this stuff. And just when they're starting to build up characters, he kills them off. Same thing with The Walking Dead, which is a whole other story. They explained it before The Walking Dead is really shooting me off. 
because they keep doing the same fucking thing over and over and over. Although with the introduction of Negan and this second half of this season six that just ended, it is a little bit different. So there's that aspect. But yeah, um, Game of Thrones is a show that has taken me forever to get into and I'm not really into that aspect. Um, I went into The Walking Dead. Fear the Walking Dead is a spin-off series. It's based on the west coast of America out in LA, which is a cool aspect. They're out in the water at the moment. They're trying to get away from the land, all that stuff. Uh, they <laughs> discovered that apparently zombies know how to swim. Although uh, in The Walking Dead, the word zombie has never once been used. Yep, you can watch every single episode and read every single comic. The word zombie is never used because they're in a world where there are no such thing. There is no such thing as Dawn of the Dead. There is no such thing as zombie comic. There is no such thing as Resident Evil, as a zombie video game or anything like that. The zombies do not exist in their world. So, what happens is, uh, they have to figure everything out, which was the core aspect of the first few seasons of The Walking Dead. And then they just started running out of ideas and recycling the same fucking thing every six episodes or eight episodes. They get in a new place, settle into a new place, someone dies, someone takes over, they lose that place. Second half of the season, they search for the new place. They find a new place in the last episode. Next season. Same fucking thing. They settle into the place. Mid-season finale, they lose the place. It's taken off of the season. They search for a new place. By the end of the season, they find a new place. That's what made season six so unique. Because... Uh, they season five they were searching for a new place they found that Alexandria they lived there mid-season finale they lost Alexandria if you haven't seen it yet then tough luck because this is a spoiler uh, then uh, if you haven't seen season six yet fast forward this part and uh, what happened was they, a mid-season finale, they looked like they were losing Alexandria. A bunch of people died. Kyle got shot in the face, got shot in the eye. Little brick lead, don't I know how. Season came back, wrecking everybody had taken control of the, of the compound. And um, Dale blew up a bunch of Negan's fellows with a uh, bazooka. And they took Alexandria back, which was surprising because they looked like they were going to repeat the storyline again. So they stayed at Alexandria and they defended it and they met the hilltop people and they helped them a little bit. But then they met Negan, the Negan group. Oh, I forget what uh, Saviors. And the final episode, Negan killed somebody. Now, 
Here's the biggest spoiler alert for those who do not want to know who died. Fast forward this part. I'll give you one break. Okay. Now, according to the comics, the person that died is Glenn. He was hit in the head by Negan by Lucille, which is Negan's bat. Bye bye, covered baseball bat. Don't get me on that subject. They stole that concept. <coughs> anyway, um, yeah, the according to the comic city's clown that gets killed. Uh, they, the shows are known for not following the comics directly. Like, uh, when the nurse got shot in the eye by the arrow, shot in Becca, they went through her eye. That was supposed to be Abraham. Yeah, according to the comics, that was Abraham. Maggie didn't cut her hair off until after Glenn died in the comics. So, and she has now, there's a bunch of people saying they're going to flip that. She has already, I should say. There's a bunch of people that believe they're going to flip it and kill off Maggie. Because Negan wants the Alexandrians to be his hit squad. And Maggie looks like she's on death's door, so he's just going to put her out of misery. He doesn't know, however, that she is pregnant. Uh, anyway, uh, moving on from Walking Dead, we've got uh, another spin-off series, just like Fear the Walking Dead, but another reason why Fear the Walking Dead is unique is because this main series is still going. Um, but... Uh, another spin-off series is Better Call Saul. If you don't know what this is, Better Call Saul is a spin-off of uh, Breaking Bad. Saul Goodman, who has uh, Jimmy McGill in their show. Jimmy McGill is a lawyer. His real name is Saul Goodman. Because Saul Goodman... Get it? Yeah. I didn't realise that. Through the entire series of Breaking Bad, I did not get Soul Goodman until they explained it in the first season of Better Call Saul. Anyway, uh, it's the set six years before Breaking Bad started, so it's uh, his development into the Quark lawyer that he became. Um... And it's his relationship with his brother, the relationship with the woman he loves, uh, all that stuff. And it's uh, pretty interesting. It's a great watch. It's just like uh, Breaking Bad. Had me hooked from the very beginning. Watching these characters develop. Because uh, he started as a grifter and he ended as a grifter. If you remember the end of Breaking Bad... Which I'm not going to give a spoiler alert, alert. Because. Oh I just kind of did. So fuck that. But anyway. Uh, if you haven't watched Breaking Bad by now. Then it's your fucking bad. Not mine. Anyway. Um, Breaking Bad ended by everyone going their separate ways. Kind of. Well Saul went his different way. Jesse drove off from the sunset. And Mr. White shot the fuck out of an entire military militia, whatever you want to call them, base. 
and he killed himself to search I see free. Anyway, um so Better Call Soul picks up six years in the past from where Breaking Bad started. It's cool because you see characters from Breaking Bad in uh in Better Call Soul before they developed into the characters that were in Breaking Bad. Which is kind of cool. I uh, like, um, uh, can't remember his name, but, uh, the old guy in the wheelchair that was in Breaking Bad. He's walking and talking and running the cartel in Better Call Soul. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it made by ANC as well, obviously. And, yeah. Same with Fear the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead. They're both AMC shows and Vinyl One and Game of Thrones are both HBO shows. But on the other side and not on the dramatic side because they're all dramas or action dramas. Comedy. I'm really, really into and I'm right in the middle of season three of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is written by Andy Samberg, made by FX, or is it, I think it's made by FX, or Fox, can't remember, uh, made by Fremline, not a doctor, not a doctor, anyway, uh, so it's got uh, Andy Samberg, who's obviously in it, Joe Cruz is in it. I can't remember any of the other actors' names. It's one of the funniest shows on TV. The opening skit gets you belly laughing and you don't stop through the whole show. It's freaking awesome. It's one of the funniest shows I've seen in a long time. It's one of the most unique shows I've seen in a long time. Broken 99, joke it out. Anyway, uh, so we're up to the song of the week. And the song of the week, this week comes out of America. Comes out of America and it's a new single from a little band I like to call Hatebreed. Straight after the song of the week plays, we're going to go straight into the interview with Wednesday 13. And then straight after the interview with Wednesday 13, we're going to have uh, our, my wrestling portion of the show. Where I got to indulge my inner nerd and that I love, cause I love wrestling. Uh, so yeah, this is Hatebreed AD, followed by the interview with Wednesday 13. So once again, once again, AD.
13 or Wednesday as uh, he's asked me to call him uh, you're coming to Australia soon and we couldn't be happier to have you yeah we're excited we get there uh, a week from today so uh, yeah we're, we're excited we leave on Monday and we fly for 14 or 15 hours we get to skip Tuesday and we arrive on Wednesday the 13th and uh and then we fly back on Sunday, and when I land back in Los Angeles, it will still be Sunday just starting. So I get to skip Tuesday next week and have Sunday twice. So it's going to be a hell of an interesting week is all I can say. Yeah, time traveling. Uh, did you plan to get here on Wednesday 13? I did not plan, but I did notice when I was booking the flights and everything. And uh, yeah, we could have just started on the thirteenth and just had a had a special day. It's my holiday, so instead I just arrive on the on the thirteenth and uh, hopefully can get over the jet lag a little bit before we get busy. Yeah, on the shows. Well, you're starting in Melbourne on Thursday the fourteenth at the Corner Hotel. And uh, that's going to be a pretty awesome show. I live in New South Wales, so if I can catch anything, it will be the uh, Saturday the 16th at the Factory Theatre. But Friday the 15th in Brisbane, you've actually got uh, one of my favourite Australian bands supporting you, uh, Dark Cell. Uh, do you listen to much Dark Cell or support them at all? Like, obviously you do. You put them on your show, but... Uh, do you yeah, have any the, other albums? It's the second time we've had Dark Cell uh, as our support. We had them back in 2012, I believe it was. And uh, I've known the front guy, Jesse, for many years. I met him with Murder Dolls back in 2003 when we played Big Day Out. And uh, we just kept in touch. And uh, um, yeah, so this became good friends of ours. And, and uh, they covered toward the states last year and we get to hang out and things like that so i've been supporting those guys for 
for a while. They're they're good people and uh, they're fans and uh, yeah, it's always good when I can when I can uh, you know help help people out and you know I don't get to pick all the bands I get to play with most of the time, but uh, it was cool you know because this time uh, we get to have them and then we get to get some cool local supports. Uh, I know we have Witch Grinder on, on I believe the Melbourne show and they were our main support last time and they're a really cool band and. Uh, here we have another band called Terra Parade and, and someone else. I can't think of their name right now, but everyone's heard all of these good things. And uh, so it's cool. It sounds like we have like the right the right bands and the right packaging on this. So it just makes it fun for uh, for everybody. Yeah, it's going to be a hell of a show. I can say that much. Uh, so I want to ask you, where did the name Wednesday 13 come from? Uh, it's probably a question you get quite a bit, but it's pretty interesting to me from what I could gather from my research. It's not too crazy of a story. Um, in like 1994 or 5, I don't remember exactly, maybe it was 95, um, I started playing guitar for a, a band in town just uh, right outside of the Frankenstein Drag Queen and started playing with this band called, called Silly Scream. And uh, we were coming up with our stage names, and I wrote down Wednesday 13 because I thought it sounded like something cool. It was kind of like Ziggy Stardust or Nikki Six, or it had a number in it, and I was like, that's cool. It kind of sounds futuristic, Wednesday 13, and I love the Adams Family, so it was kind of like, I love I love Wednesday. I even love the remakes of uh, the, the the movies that came out in the '90s. That the Wednesday character was just awesome, and uh, and I just remember the monsters. The monsters address was thirteen thirteen. So you smash that together, you got Wednesday thirteen, and a superhero was born. <laughs> uh, uh, see, that's more interesting than a few of the names that uh, I asked. A few people that I've interviewed over the time, where did your band name come from? They went, I don't know. So that's actually a pretty good story. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was planned out. Uh, I've got to ask, it's one of my favorite questions to ask. What music or movies in, in a lot of people's cases did your parents listen to or watch? And did it have any bearing on the music you create? Um, yeah, I mean, my, my parents were were not, they were strict on me, but like, um, not necessarily with, with movies and films. Like, my parents, my parents listened to country music and old, like, gospel music and, and, uh, but as far as, like, watching movies, I don't remember ever them watching movies unless I was watching. I mainly watched everything that they watched. So everything from, I remember when I was six years old, my dad showed me First Blood with Sylvester Stallone and that, that, that changed, that changed my life. I wrote a song about it, about it many, many years later. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I guess the only movies I watched, I mean, I watched everything that they watched. So, uh, so I guess it did kind of have an influence on me. They weren't, they weren't in the horror movies. You know, I had to watch those on my own. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it wasn't really anything that I think that like, other than what I was watching on TV, we kind of watched the same thing. So I don't know if anything that they did really influenced me or mainly what they did was encouraged me by the stuff they liked. I didn't like it and I rebelled against it. So they helped me in that sense. <laughs> so what was the very first horror movie you ever watched in that case? 
very first horror movie. Um, I mean, I saw like you know a bunch of the old black and white stuff, like you know, like uh, King Kong and, and Dracula and Frankenstein. Those never, never scared me. As you know, they still they never have. I think they're amazing movies, but they never, <clears throat> never ever ever scared me. And I want to say the first movie that I saw that probably scared the shit out of me would have to have been like would, would have either been Nightmare on Elm Street one or or Halloween one. I don't know which one I saw first. Now that I think about it, but I I know I my dad told me I knew Nightmare on Elm Street came on came on at like 11 o'clock at night after he was going to bed and I was like please please let me watch it he was like it's going to scare you to death don't don't come knocking on my door <laughs> you're saying you're terrified it was like 19, 1984 when this came out so I was you know I was 8 I guess yeah so uh, you know and I remember staying up and watching it and it scared me to death and it was about dreams so I couldn't go to sleep after that <laughs> And I'll never forget watching that movie. Um, I lived in a I lived in a trailer at the time, and our trailer was like metal. And we had a we had a tree outside up against the trailer. And I remember a really bad thunderstorm came up about two hours after I watched Nightmare on Elm Street. And we're in this little trailer, and you just feel the wind kind of blowing this thing back and forth. But like, I remember the tree outside of the house actually scraped against the metal of the trailer, and it made the exact same sound that Freddie made with his glove. Uh-oh. And I nearly shit in my pants, and I was just like, "Oh my god, this is terrifying!" And I could have prayed for the sun to come up. I didn't sleep all night. Went to school the next day, falling asleep in class, thinking I was going to have Freddy come in my dreams. It was like almost like I was living that movie. So that was one of like my kind of first like really scary horror movie experiences, and 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 it it's. It's made me a fan of it ever since. As scary as I was, I, I wanted more of it, you know. And so, uh, so yeah. As weird as that sounds, that's 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 kind of what it, how it worked. It's not weird to me at all because Friday the Thirteenth, uh, not Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street was the very first horror movie that I ever saw, actually. And I had the same experience. I couldn't go to sleep after I saw it. It scared the shit out of me. <laughs> so yes, it was it was fun. It was just entertaining for me. So I uh, I wanted to find more movies like that that scared me, and and I did. What did you think of the Friday, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street remake? And did you see it? I did see it. Um, I really liked the actor that played uh, that played Freddy. His name's Jackie Earl. I'm saying his name wrong. He's got three names. Yeah. Uh, but he was he's been in a lot of, he's been in a lot of movies. He was in the Warriors, you he know, was the, in the Watchmen. Movie. I love I love this character in Watchmen. Rorschach is fucking awesome and so I was actually excited to see him play Freddy. I thought he did an awesome job. Yeah. I thought he, he took that that where Freddy became the one liner you know, everyone everyone knows Freddy, he's funny. He made him kinda of scary again. But uh I didn't think it was terrible. I, I I didn't hate it, so uh, but again I I just I like I like that actor and I like the way he portrayed Freddy. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I don't think it was the greatest movie how it was made, but I I did like I did like him as Freddy. I think it was missing one thing, and that was a liquefied Johnny Depp. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, moving on from that, uh. 
from what I've read online, and I don't do the comparison, but I've heard a lot of comparisons in your style, not necessarily your music, to Rob Zombie. Uh, that being said, do you ever plan on doing your own horror movies, like directing them or anything like that, or teaming up with Rob in the future to do movies? Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as as far as Rob goes and comparisons, I mean, uh, I it's just influence. I would think. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, as far as as far as White Zombie goes, you know, uh, I remember I got that record when I was 15 years old, and the one with Thunderkiss. That's how old that record is, and uh, you know, I still one of my one of my favorite albums. It's fucking super cool, and uh, so I really got a lot of my heavy guitar influence from from. Uh, from, from White Zombie, uh, you know, definitely there's influence on that. And if anything else sounds like Rob, it's just, it comes from that, from that influence. And, uh, and Rob's got the best job ever. I mean, he gets to be in a huge rock band. His show looks like a, a tattoo shop came to life in a horror movie. And then he gets to make horror movies with all the cool horror movie people that he grew up on. I mean, I can't think of a better job. So, to answer your question, yes, I would love to end up making a movie, and I think it's only a matter of time before I lock down and do that with someone. Because I've been, I do a lot of horror conventions here in the, in the states now, and I've met a lot of people from movies and things like that. So it's just literally just me sitting down with someone with an idea and and getting it done. And it's just for me, it's, it's just making the time to do it because I'm having so much fun doing Wednesday Thirteen now and touring and with this band and. And, uh, you know, we're going to put a new record out this time next year. So uh, I don't know when I'm going to have time to sit down and, and do a movie, but it will happen eventually. Oh, wow. So there is a new Wednesday 13 record coming out. We are going to write and record it this uh, July and August, and it will be out the first part of 2017. So. Oh, wow. I can't wait. Uh we touched on it a second ago. Uh, you said that White Zombie were a bit of your influence. Uh, who else influenced you in your music style and your personal style at that? There's so many bands. I mean, you know, I, I always mention certain bands. Just because, I mean, Alice Cooper is, you know, the reason I do what I do, period. <laughs> um, but he's, you know, he, he's definitely the biggest, the biggest influence. And, uh, but, you know, it, it changes all the time, you know. I mean, if, if I could say what's influenced me lately is totally different than than what influenced me in the, in the beginning. You know, I used to only listen to, <clears throat> to like, glam and, and, and punk rock. You know, I, I love the Sex Pistols and Ramones, and, and, and I also love, like, you know, like T-Rex and, and Sweet and Slade and all these, these UK glitter rock bands and, and stuff. And then I... But I also... I also like heavy metal to an extent, you know. I I love, like I said, I, I love White Zombie, I love Pantera, I, I love Megadeth, Anthrax, Testament. I liked a lot of those bands, but <clears throat> I wasn't a Metallica fan. I wasn't like a thrash guy. I didn't listen to any any just you know death metal or anything like that at the time. <clears throat> but now, in the past five or six years, I listen to a ton of of heavy stuff. I listen to Black metal, uh, 
thrash, death metal. <laughs> so that's why you hear a lot of heavier influence on a lot of my newer stuff. That's just kind of where my heart and my head has, has been lately. And uh, but yeah, it's uh, so again, it's it's constantly changing for me. I, I quit being a music snob a long time ago, and I just I just listen to music and and I soak it in, and I and I think it's just the healthiest thing I can do is just be influenced by like anything and everything that is so cool that's actually refreshing to hear of uh of being influenced by everything i manage a band uh, in fact i uh kind of developed them uh signed them underneath my touring label and uh their their biggest issue issue is taking influence and they uh they stick the noses up to music they don't like or they don't listen to or whatever. I'm like, no, listen to it. You can get influence from anything and everything. And they're finally starting to listen. Their name is uh, Terravorous. They're uh, low level, not on your radar yet, but they're really good, actually. Um, I wouldn't have signed them if I didn't think they were good. Uh Going back to influences, do you draw influences from uh, things like authors or directors or like things like that? Um, lately, I mean, you know, as far as like, you know, musically, I guess I just listen to a lot of heavier stuff. And uh, but as far as like being influenced, like to write, like lyrically, lately, I've just been. Uh, was kind of what, what the last record was about. I, I wrote about a lot of conspiracy theories that I'd read about really strange stories that just blew my mind. It was just kind of like, you know, I kind of reached, I'm not saying I've reached the point of it, but that, that when I was writing the Monsters record, I kind of got bored with singing about, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street or, or zombies or whatever, the campy kind of stuff. I want to do something else in a darker kind of, I don't want to say serious, but it definitely was more serious than what I've done in the past. And, uh, you know, so uh, but lately I've just been reading a lot of weird things. I was kind of, open this rabbit hole so to speak of of strange stories and could could be not be true sort of sort of deals and uh that's just taking me down to a whole nother world of of weirdness so uh the next record will still be full of those kind of things and uh so yeah as, as i get older i'm just getting weirder and stranger and the music's getting heavier so uh i'm, I'm actually looking forward to see what it turns out like to myself because i don't know we haven't we haven't we haven't done it yet. So uh, all I have is just my ideas and the riffs in my head playing on my acoustic guitar here. We haven't played anything with the full band yet, but uh, but it will be complete by September and uh, it'll be out the first of the year. And I'm excited. Uh, can you tell me one thing before we uh, wrap up the interview and not ask my last few questions? Will there ever be another Murder Dolls reunion? You know, I don't, I don't really think that, uh, you know, that that's going to happen. But I said that around about the last one, and it happened too. So, but with that being said, I haven't spoke to Joey in five years. And oh wow! So, and I don't know anyone, honestly, that has, uh, you know, from our old camp that 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 used to speak with him and. Uh, you know, um, when we kind of parted ways, it, it wasn't on the best terms. And, uh, but again, it's been five years, and 
I've got no ill will toward him or anything, but I but I think that that band's probably probably finally hung it up for good. Um, but yeah, it happened last time too. We did another album, so I'm sure as soon as I say it's never going to happen, I'll get a phone call and we'll be doing it again. But uh, but the honest truth is, I, I haven't spoke to him in five years, and, and that's kind of where that is. Uh, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. And if anybody wants more of you, you're on tour, so they can catch Wednesday 13 anytime they like. Uh, last two questions. Uh, the generic. Do you have any social media plugs like your Facebook for Wednesday 13, Twitter, website, sponsor shout outs, anything like that? Yeah, I've got my uh, official Wednesday13.com that has links to all my social media sites, Facebook and Twitter and whatever else is out there. Uh, but yeah, that's where you can find all my tour dates and link to my store and all that good stuff officialwednesday13.com official i'll put that up on my uh my website for all the listeners most of them would already know it but still (laughs) uh my last question and this is the question that i end on on every single interview it's a multiple choice question it's uh four choice four choices sorry uh, you get to pick one. Okay. It's A, ask me a question. B, B, ask a really strange or weird question by me. C, give me the quote of the month for next month's show. Or D, give me the song of the month for this month's show. Okay, I want to go with, with A. Ask me a question. Yes. Okay. Alright, are you ready? Here's the question. Yep. How long is a piece of string? <laughs> I've actually got an answer to this. It's double the length from the center. <laughs> oh, well. There is no answer, but as long as you have an answer, as long as you have an answer that's, that's good. Yeah. Uh, I actually, one of my friends is a complete smartass, and I tried to shut him down with that, and he said, double the length from the center. And I'm like, ah, oh, dude, you're not supposed to have an answer to that. <laughs> but, That's all scientific. <laughs> uh, or, or before you leave, you grew up in North Carolina, didn't you? Yes. Uh you grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina, if I'm if my research is correct. That is the biggest city closest to me, but I've pretty much lived in the in the sticks just uh just north of Charlotte. But that was the that was the big city. We got to go out there every every once a year to see the big city lights. Oh, okay. Uh I was going to ask, were you a Ric Flair fan? <laughs> Absolutely, Ric Flair is the man, and uh, oh yeah, he is—he is the best professional wrestler of all time, in my opinion. And uh, huge fan, met him several times, and uh, yeah, to be the man, you got to beat the man. Yeah. He's got the biggest house on the biggest side of town. He's got a limousine a mile long with twenty-five women just begging for him to go. <laughs> Oh man, I envy you. I envy you. I've always wanted to meet him. 
<laughs> yes. What do you think of his daughter getting into wrestling, Charlotte? I think it's great. And he's, I, I support all Ric Flair, anything. He's, he's the man. He is indeed. Uh, this has been Wednesday 13 on the Formula Lockdown podcast. Thank you, Wednesday, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Anytime, anytime, mate. Uh, his tour dates are Thursday, April 14th in Melbourne at the Corner Hotel, Friday, April 15th in Brisbane at the Brightside, and Saturday, April 16th in Sydney at the Factory Theatre. He lands on Wednesday 13. That's awesome. Thank you once again, Wednesday. Thank you. See you later, mate. So that was my interview with Wednesday 13 of Wednesday 13 in the Matter Dolls. Uh, we did end up talking about whether the Matter Dolls will ever reform. He said not likely, but that's what he said right before they reformed last time. However, he did say that no member has talked to Joey Jordison in over five years. Well, since the day that last tour ended, no one has talked to him. That is pretty brutal. Um, I wonder what's happening with him. Because, like, he's been kicked out of Slipknot. Or, or something happened, and he's no longer in Slipknot. He's, uh, no, none of the Metadolls are talking to him. Scarlet Marta failed pretty heavily, I might add. But, uh, yeah, I wonder what's going on with Joey Jordison. Anyway, um, if anyone can tell me, hit me up on Twitter or or Facebook. Twitter is at the FML Podcast. Facebook is facebook.com forward slash Formula Lockdown Podcast. Or, no, sorry, forward slash Formula Lockdown. Uh, I genuinely don't know, and I genuinely want to know. So if you actually know and you have proof, Hit me up on one of those mediums or even email for my lockdown at gmail.com and let me know. Uh, either way, I'm interested. I want to know what's going on with him. Like I said before the song of the week, which was Hatebird AD, I, I want to uh, get into my wrestling portion of the show right now. And it's uh, it's the the portion of the show where I get to nerd out. <laughs> and by no doubt, I mean I get to be myself for a minute because like, a lot of people get angry at me talking about wrestling all the time and I don't give a shit. So it's my podcast. Fuck all, everyone who doesn't want to listen to it. You can fast forward and end the show. You'll miss the tour of the month if you do that. And it's pretty cool, the tour of the month that is. But... Uh, the wrestling portion of the show, that's right, uh, I want to talk about, uh, Wrestlemania, Wrestlemania was, I, I got up early and I watched it, the pre-show started at 7am, the people in the arena were stuck there for almost 8 hours watching wrestling, now that's cool if you're a super fan, but at the same time, some people don't want to be stuck in a seat for eight hours whilst watching wrestling, and it wasn't that good either. I mean, 
Sure. The uh, pre-show, the first batch in the pre-show was the US title match. And anything with Kalisto in it is going to be alright, but I wasn't that great. And Ryback, anything with him in it isn't going to be that great. So, anyway, uh, the second match was the... Was it the Divas or the tag team? I think it was the Divas match. And uh, they didn't tell anyone. And while they didn't tell anyone, I don't know. But it was uh, Brie Bella's final ever match. And uh, that being said, it was also Nikki Bella came out at the end. And uh, it was her final WrestleMania appearance from a lot of rumors going around because of a neck injury. Uh, they, they, after that, it was the uh, tag team match between the Dudleys and the Usos. The Usos won from memory and ended up putting the Dudleys through tables, which sucked. And then uh, WrestleMania kicked off. And the first match of the night at WrestleMania was the... Ladder match, I believe it was, for the Intercontinental title. Seven men competing for the belt. And the winner of the match was Zack Ryder. And the crowd went freaking mental. They went absolutely fucking nuts. Uh, and it was a good decision. I mean, no one complained about him winning the belt. Although they made him drop it the night after to a man that... They think it is just freaking over as a hill. There's a difference between heel and heel hatred and genuine hatred. I'll get into that in a bit. But after that, it was the AJ Styles uh, Chris Jericho match. When you put these two together, magic happens. And it was a solid match. Not the best on the card, but it was a solid match. Uh, whatever was next is forgettable to me. Oh, no, wait, yeah, it was tag team title match. Uh, between the New Day, who were the, probably the best tag team on the roster in many, 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 many years since the Attitude Era. And they would have held up in the Attitude Era. Uh, versus uh, the very lackluster League of Nations. Uh, League of Nations are held down by Sheamus. Let me explain this. There is a difference between heel hatred and genuine hatred, like I alluded to before, and like I'll allude to again later. And I'll explain it later when we get to the main event. What happened was uh, the New Day lost the match, but it wasn't for the tag titles, as everybody thought it was. When uh, the League of Nations won the match, they called out any three members of any three factions or whatever, three people come out and try and beat them up. And then Sean Michael's music hit. Everybody thought, oh shit, DX is coming. And I wasn't. Uh, then straight after Sean Michael's music hit, uh, Mick Foley's music hit. And then straight after Mick Foley's Stone Cold Steve Austin's music hit. Now, Sean Michael's was in uh, wrestling attire. His wrestling attire. Mick Foley, Mick, Foley was in his wrestling attire. Steve Austin was in a pair of jeans and sneakers with the t-shirt on, saying pretty much saying "fuck you." I'm wearing what I want. Now, um, 
they walked out and kicked the shit out of the League of Nations. That was pretty cool. And then uh, I... Uh, shit, what was next? Can't even remember. It was pretty... It was a pretty shitty build. But... Or, uh, can't remember what was next. But the best part of the night was the Devious title match. Triple threat for three women. And they dropped that fucking piece of shit butterfly belt. Thank Christ. And they actually, actually put effort in and created openness title belt that looks exactly the same as the man's what have you at championship. And it, with one difference, it says women's championship down the bottom. It's a white stripe and it's got a red background and everything else is the same. They even have their own side plays just like the men. And I was so fucking happy when they did that. I've hated that butterfly pizza shit since they put it in. But anyway, uh, they brought legitimacy back to the division. What happened once? It's a triple threat between Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks and Charlotte Flair, Ric Flair's daughter. And uh, Sasha Banks was the first to come out. Huge, huge pop. Cheer. And uh, Becky... No, sorry, Becky Lynch was the first to come Did I say that? I can't remember. And the second to come out was Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks is the little cousin of Snoop Dogg. So Snoop Dogg obviously wrapped her, uh, her entrance theme, which was pretty cool. And then Charlotte came out. <laughs> this bit annoyed me a little bit, but it was kind of cool in a way. Uh, she was wearing a robe, a custom-made robe at that, that was custom-made by a tailor. It was custom-made out of Ric Flair's very last ever robe that he wore at WrestleMania 24. Yeah. Uh... That's not cool. But then again, it was Charlotte's first time at WrestleMania as a competitor. So he's lost her first. It's kind of cool. But uh, they came out and they had the match of the night. Uh, when I said that to people, I got the usual reaction. I'm sorry it was that bad. Sorry. Uh, I got the usual reaction. of so it was that bad. No, it was that good. The match was that good. And Charlotte won the redawning of the Women's Championship, which was pretty good. Uh, the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. The big surprise entrant was Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, I, I, I think he did it just for a Hall of Fame spot. Uh, that's just me anyway. Um, uh, him and Big Show were the first to eliminated. The ultimate winner of the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, the third ever winner, which was cool, was an NXT superstar named Baron Corbin. And I'm very happy that they did that. Uh, then we got to the main event and Triple H entered first, which I thought was shit because he was the champion. But his entrance, but as always, was cool. He got to the ring, 
and uh, his opponent was a fellow named Roman Reigns. Now, to wrestling fans, Roman Reigns is not very well liked. Casual wrestling fans, they like him because he's the one that's pushed the most. Now, uh, this is what happened, and this is what caused a lot of controversy. If you go back and watch over WrestleMania, as soon as the Dino, Dino hits over Roman Reigns' music in the opening few beats, that Dino, the first one hits, and the crowd, the, all of a sudden the crowd goes down in volume. The technical team dropped the volume of every mic in the arena so that the booze didn't come through because no one wanted him to be there. Now, there comes a point where Roman Reigns is going to have to say to the WWE, stop pushing me because it's starting to affect me. I can see it in his face. Every time he walks out there and the crowd boos the hell out of him. He almost wants to cry. And I'm beginning to feel bad for him. But now it's getting to the point where not only they keep pushing him, he keeps pushing himself. He can stand up and say, stop doing it. He's a man. Be a man, not up or shut up. Get out if you don't want to do it. Anyway, um... Uh, ended up Roman ultimately won after the crowd were booing him relentlessly through the whole match. And they ended up setting off the fireworks early to end his celebration because the crowd were booing so loud that they were hearing it over the music and it was still coming through thick over the already dimmed microphones. So they set off the fireworks and told him to leave the arena. Next night on Raw, same thing happened. Because it was a live show, they couldn't affect the sound. See, if you watch SmackDown or any other pre-taped show, they can affect the crowd sound. They can make it sound like a superstar is being cheered when he's not. When uh, you're watching a live show, they can't do that. So... The most they can do is turn the volume down. And in the tight arena that Raw was in, it didn't, wouldn't have done shit. And uh, anyway, what the, happened, what I've been talking about is there's difference between general hatred, genuine hatred, and heel hatred. Is heel hatred means that they don't like the fact that their character is bad. The character is bad. Which means, like, uh, when Stone Cold Steve Austin was a face and he turned to a bad guy by double crossing the rocket when he was 17, crowd still liked him and he was over heel. Uh, when Shawn Michaels went bad, he was an over heel. Chris Joko is bad at the moment, he's an over heel. He's a bad guy that when he turns face, people are still going to love him. Roman Reigns, on the other hand, is a good guy. People are supposed to cheer for him no matter what. And what happens is people boo him relentlessly. So, what happens is uh, he's got genuine hatred. It's not... Uh, 
it's not a heel hatred because it's not a heel. The people generally just don't want him there. Uh, why? It's probably because he is very, very, very lackluster on the microphone. He's very shit. For lack of a better word, he can't talk what the damn. And in the ring, he can only do very few moves, which pisses a lot of people off. He's supposed to be this giant powerhouse, but he can't pick anything up. Uh, he's supposed to do all this stuff that all these other people can't do, but like, he's not even the most over one out of... If you're not a wrestling fan, he came from a group called The Shield, which was Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, and... Roman Reigns. And out of those three, they're the three biggest single superstars in the company at the moment. And out of those three, he's probably number three on that list. Seth Rollins is by far and above number one. And they re- recognized that and gave him the world title. If he didn't screw his knee up uh, uh, last year, with a pretty horrific YouTube YouTube Seth Rollins knee injury and uh, he screwed his knee up pretty badly but if he didn't do that I believe he would still be holding the world title for over a year because they wanted him to chase down sitting on punish record so that being said he would still be champion and then you've got Dean Ambrose Dean Ambrose is more over than Roman ever was never will be Dan Ambrose, while Rollins is out, is the answer to WWE's ratings problem. They need to put the belt on him and then run with it. For a while, anyway. Maybe until, say, SummerSlam when Seth Rollins gets back. And if if they don't want to give it to Dan Ambrose, give it to another man that's over like nothing else, and that's AJ Styles. Or if they want to do it, give it to Bray Wyatt. He hasn't had a run with it yet, and he deserves it. Speaking of AJ Styles, uh, those who don't know, he was in New Japan before he went to WWE. New Japan, uh, NJPW. New Japan Pro Wrestling is out of Tokyo in Japan. That's where it's based. It's out of everywhere in Japan. But uh, he was the New Japan, uh, the IWGP International Wrestling Grand Prix, what of the champion. And uh, he had a huge, huge feud with uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. And uh, he was also the leader of a little faction over there called the Bullet Club. The Bullet Club uh, just came to WWE. Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. He was called Doc Gallows over there. He combined his TNA name and his WWE name to become Doc Gallows in New Japan. And now he's back in WWE's Luke Gallows again. And what's happening is uh, Finn Balor, a.k.a. Prince David, was the original uh, leader of the ballot of the Bullet Club in New Japan, and it looks like he's gonna come out to Man Rossa now. He's asked by every single The rumor is, and the biggest enemy of the Bullet Club in New Japan was Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, if you don't know who Shinsuke Nakamura is, look him up. 
It's S H I N S U K E N A K A. I can't remember how to spell Nakamura. Anyway, uh, so what happened was. Uh, he, they, he was the biggest enemy over in New Japan. Now they're all in WWE. Shinsuke Nakamura is in NXT, and he had probably the one of the best matches I've seen in like decades in WWE against uh, who? No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was no, it was against Sami Zayn. Yeah. Sorry. So much is arguing with me that it was Kevin Owens. No, it was Sami Zayn. Look it up and they're agreeing. They're outside at the moment. Do you hear him yelling at me? Anyway, um... Yeah, so... New Japan is uh, losing everyone to uh, to WWE. They lost the majority of their bullet club. They lost their world champion. They lost their intercontinental champion. They lost their junior heavyweight champion. Uh, next thing you know, it'll be uh, the uni takers, the indie takers, which are Generation Me, if you're a TNA fan, or... Um, Pretty much the best tag team that all Kenning Omega will come over as well. Uh, yeah, so coming to Melbourne actually in the coming months is the House of Hardcore, which is pretty cool. It's like ACW, but uh, newer, but it actually is run by a former ACW original and Tommy Dreamer. Uh, House of Hardcore is a strict MA maybe R rating there's a lot of blood a lot of barbed wire a lot of blades everything goes anything goes it's pretty fucked up and I can't wait for it <laughs> anyway uh, so now we're gonna end the show because I keep babbling on when I go to my wrestling portion I was like yeah I'm gonna talk forever but uh, I can't, obviously. Right now, uh, we're going to get into our tour of the week. And the tour of the week is King Parrot. Uh, sorry, tour of the month. And this month's tour of the month is King Parrot. Uh, starting on Friday, April 8th, which is already passed. Uh, in WA, Perth at Murderfest at the Amplifier Bar. On April 15th, which is... Uh, this Friday, it's uh, in Victoria and Frankston at the uh, Pally Bar. On April 16th, it's in Victoria at Ballarat at the Corova Lounge. On April 17th, which is the Sunday, it's in Victoria and Geelong at the Barwon Club. On April 21st, which was the Thursday, it's in ACT in Canberra at the basement. I know for a fact that that's being supported by Wretch and Terravorus. I know because I booked them. Uh, on Friday the 22nd, which is in Sydney, New South Wales at the Wallface Stag. Um, yeah, come to 
<laughs> uh, on Saturday, April 23rd in New South Wales and Hong Kong at the Waves. On Friday, May 13th in Victoria at Melbourne at the 11. Our tickets go to www.kingparrot.com. Sorry, kingparrot.ustix.com.au and get all your seeking needs. Come to the Canberra show on the 21st if you want a good show. From the first band to the last band, it will be freaking phenomenal. Uh, yes, yeah, so that's the end of the Formula Lockdown podcast. Episode 29. Uh, next month, we're going to have something. I'm not sure yet. So, uh, yeah. Goodbye. I love you.